The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Peck. Yeah, the iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Hope you're having a great week. We have a lot, as always, to talk about on the program, that's for sure, coming out of UFC 260. The news cycle has been rampant. The BTL title is on the line. I am excited. We hope you are as well as we invite you to participate in the program on Twitter, on YouTube, in the chat. And let's have some fun on this Thursday. Let us introduce the combatants first. The challenger coming off of a hard-fought victory against Alex K. Lee last week. His hot takes got people a little fired up. Maybe they were too hot, but uh, that's what he does best. He, he evokes emotion at the end of the day. Mr. Jed Mishu, welcome back to the program, sir. Mike, I take a lot of umbrage with you calling that a hard-fought victory. I am extremely confident that I blank him 5-0 for the first time in the history of the show. Well, there you go. I was hoping you would have that reaction, and uh, yeah. you paid off. That's Beautiful nonsense. <laughs> and let us introduce the reigning, defending, undisputed BTL champion. He's back following his coverage of UFC 260 in Las Vegas, the host of the A-Side live chat. The champ, Jose Youngs, back on the show. Hello, my friend. How are you? Mike, I am no longer going to be known as the champion. I will be known as the icon of MMAfighting.com. I am the greatest BTL champion of all time. Jed took this little hiatus before returning last week. Coincidentally enough, it was the week I was on the road, so I don't want to say he was, you know, not wanting to face me, but now he's forced to face me. His little hiatus, he was off doing whatever. Like, I think I heard him 
say he was like trying out to replace the dancing raisins in those weird commercials back in the day. So he's pursuing his career as an above average mascot for an above average snack. The above average rival I have, Nathaniel Mishu. Nice to see you again. I, I feel like that was almost complimentary. Like if I'm if I'm gonna be the dancing raisins, I'm okay with that. Like that's maybe not as good as Mr. Peanut, but that's not bad. Like I'll take Yeah, it. well see, that's what but see, as you said, dancing raisins, not as good as Mr. Peanut. Similar to you, not as good as Jose Young's. Okay. I think I'm like <laughs> two more, but sure, why not? This is gonna be a banger. So now normally this doesn't happen on, on this program, but we have a supposed breaking news here because Darren Till, as we heard earlier this week, is out of the April 10th fight with Marvin Vittori. And it appears that Kevin Holland, good old Big Mouth, is going to be stepping in to take his place. Now, we have confirmed Kevin Holland's side. He is good to go. I guess Marvin Vittori revealed the news on the Team Vittori podcast that this fight is a go. So uh, so there we go. Just a, before we get to the first actual question, Jed Mishu. We talked about Kevin Holland quite a bit on the show last week, and he gets himself another main event fight in nine days from right now on ABC. How about that? What are your thoughts on Holland stepping in and fighting Marvin Vittoria, a fight with a little bit of heat on it? I think this is probably the best they could do on short notice. It's really good. Uh, they had to do something because the rest of that card is really lacking for anything that even could be considered a main event. So uh, interesting. I, I assume this wasn't Dana's first choice just because of his reaction to Kevin Holland last time. But I think this is a good fight. Uh, I'm interested to watch it. I like Kevin Holland. Uh, he's going to do Kevin Holland things, but he's probably not going to get laid on for 25 minutes. So that'll at least be more entertaining for most people. What do you think, Jose? We got uh, Vittori versus Holland. This has been a rivalry that's been building for about a year or so. What do you think? Yeah, Marvin Vittori is probably the most emotional middleweight I've seen in a long time. I mean, I was in Jacksonville when the fight with Carl Roberson fell out, and I think I heard him screaming down the hall for probably a good two hours. When I say screaming, like at the top of his lungs, screaming at someone. And then he tried to fight Carl Roberson in the hotel lobby. So you stick Kevin Holland, who talks a whole lot of greasiness, and you match him up against someone who takes things very personally, like, he what did he call? He called Darren Till a pussy because he dislocated his shoulder or broke his collarbone or something like that. Like, give the man a break. He broke his collarbone, and Marvin Vittori said he's not man enough to fight. So yes, I'm all in. It's a pro I still favor Marvin Vittori. I just think he's a better fighter, but I'm all in for the 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 chitter chatter and the Marvin Vittori just seeing red as we've known Marvin Vittori has done in the past. <laughs> Counterpoint. Uh, Darren Till should have sucked it up and fought. Who needs a collarbone? Uh, yeah. Hit him with his I collarbone. Mean, Car, that, there's a reason the Korean Zombie is the most exciting fighter in the history of MMA, and that's because he tries to put his arm back into place while facing yeah. Jose Aldo. Darren Till didn't want to fight. That's what we can take from this, is that he just didn't want to fight. Mm. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Jed has already pissed off a lot of people, and we haven't even officially gotten to the first question yet. This is like a WWE match where there's a fight on the outside and the referee rings the bell once they get into the ring. But uh, let us begin with how UFC 260 came to its conclusion on Saturday night. We have a brand new heavyweight champion of the world, the title reign. 
of Francis Ngannou has begun. He stopped Stipe Miacic in the second round. It was an incredible performance. Jed, you kind of hit this one on the head, so we're going to begin with you. Your thoughts on Ngannou's finish, his newly acquired championship reign, and his performance overall. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I'm not going to take too much credit for being right about this one because I think everybody kind of knew this could happen. I just felt far more confident that it would happen. Uh, and it happened sort of exactly like I thought. Like I thought Ngannou was going to have learned from the first iteration, and he clearly did. Like He looked extremely composed in there. He had all of the right things working for him. He had a great game plan. He got outside himself a couple of times. He, he tried to take Sipe down for a minute, but then he recentered, refocused. And if he's going to fight like that, he's going to be a just a nightmare for anybody, including John Jones. Like he has all the physical capability to do anything you ever want uh, from a heavyweight. And he has started to figure that out. Like the, the thing that was the most impressive to me was the finishing sequence, aside from the fact that it was obviously a great knockout. It, it's just the way that he threw that previously you've seen Nganu load up a lot of shots, like, really swing hammers. If you go back and watch uh, the Yairzinho the Rosenstrick knockout, like he's trying very hard to knock him out. And obviously if, if Nganu swings really hard he's and hits you, it, it's probably going to kill you. But actually he doesn't need to do that. If he just doesn't swing hard but hit you, it's still going to really hurt you. And, and that's what we saw there. He had tight, composed hands, and they – just obliterated Stipe, and that whole finishing sequence was awesome, especially when Stipe hit the the counter right and then thought he hurt Nganu and stepped in. The check hook that got him, like, that thing maybe moved uh, half a foot. Like, the, it covered this amount of distance, and it completely put the lights out on Stipe. It was awesome, and Nganu's dope. He has, like, the best story in the sport. It's we are lucky to have him as a champion and I hope we have him as a champion for a while because that will be both really cool and like really deserving to have a guy that good as champion. Uh, no knock on Stipe is obviously really good dude as well, but like it, it's nice. It's nice to have good people be champions. That's fun. Jose, uh, I, I know we kind of Got your quick immediate reaction because you were backstage, you're doing the press conferences and all that stuff. But now that we've had five or so days to let it all sink in, what did you think of Nganu's win, the new champ, performance, etc.? I mean, he gave an interview with Damon Martin and he himself said, like, you can't imagine a more perfect way for this fight to end. Like, it was a knockout. Uh, he showed some, he obviously showed some improvements from the previous fight, stuff to take down. Uh, landing some good hammer, some like hammer fists and uh, some hooks around from the back. And then he dropped him, of course, before the finish. But it is kind of telling. And I saw some people talking about this on social media where it's kind of come full circle. Do you remember in 2007, we had this great Croatian fighter who was primed up to face probably the best heavyweight champion of all time uh, in Randy Couture. And he got knocked out with his own kick and fell on his foot. That was Mirko Krokop. Now we see Stipe Miocic going up against someone, and the winner will probably face the greatest fighter of all time. And what happens? He gets knocked out with his own punch and falls on his foot. So, as our former colleague Sean Alshadi has said, time is a flat circle, and it has all come full circle, and Croatian fighters can never face that next step because they fall on their feet after getting knocked out with their own blows. Wow. What a... What an interesting way to, to look at this whole thing. So, Jose, 
We're going to get to where Stipe goes from here in a matter of moments. We'll also get into where everybody wants Nganu to go as well a little bit later on. But in terms of like where this division goes, and Jed sort of touched on it about, you know, Francis just being a good dude and he's well-deserving of the spot. The excitement surrounding the heavyweight division seems to be in a different place now. Like having France Ngannou, an absolutely terrifying individual with that kind of power, it's like, if you were to talk to somebody who is interested in combat sports but never watched the UFC and you showed them footage of Francis Ngannou, or if they saw Francis Ngannou walk down the street, nobody would ever want to mess with that guy. Brock Lesnar kind of had that appeal as well. But I'm curious, like putting all that in perspective, how big is this for the UFC, for the division moving forward? Like nothing against Stipe because he was a tremendous champion and a, and a tremendous individual as well. But Francis is champion. Do you think he can expand the viewing audience? Can he be that big heavyweight championship draw for the UFC that they've been looking for for a while since Brock? Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, just look at the dude. He looks like an action figure as it is. It also helps that he's the third uh, cha- third African champion. He can speak multiple languages. We know MMA just became legalized in France. He himself said if he had his choice for his first title defense, it would probably be Paris, but he understands that that's probably further down the road. So helps them break into the African market, helps them break into the French market. He lives in Las Vegas, so he can always headline cards here. And like you said, he just looks good getting off the bus. And more importantly, outside of the aesthetics and of, of the man and how hard he hits and the languages he speaks and the marks he can break into, the man wants to be active, and that's kind of been the knock on the heavyweight division for so long. It's been tied up by injuries uh, with Kane or it's the, the, with JDS when they would have to go through with each other. And then Stipe in D.C., same thing. Brock Lesnar was coming in, and he tried to be active. But then there was all this kind of tomfoolery going on with the heavyweight division, sort of like how lightweight was for so long. But now we have a heavyweight champion who has historically has not been one to get injured and wants to keep fighting. And he himself said, I'll fight John Jones. I want to fight John Jones, but I want to keep this division moving forward. So I think that is going to be the most beneficial thing for fans and this heavyweight division that they get to see this monstrous behemoth of a man fight two, three times a year and not have to wait 12 months in between fights. What do you think, Jed? How big of a draw? Can Francis Ngannou be as as the heavyweight champion? Because again, like Jose gets off the bus, people are just like, holy crap, who the hell is that guy? How big can he be for this division and for the company as as a heavyweight champion? Huge. Uh, I, I don't think he can get to Conor McGregor level of stardom, but I think he can be the second biggest star in the sport. I, I think that is on the table for him right now. He's got a couple of things working against him. He is not like super young, but he is young in fight years. So that's really good for him. But yeah, like he's, he's first team getting off the bus, all-star. Like he looks spectacular. He absolutely has the, the kind of it factor charisma, uh, also, just as a quick aside, I want to throw a shout out to Francis Ngannou because he learned English after joining the UFC, which he did like five years ago, and his English is already phenomenal. So really, really tremendous stuff. That'll help him a lot in being a big star here. I think uh, you know being active is, is never a bad thing, but I think for him to hit that level, he needs a John Jones fight. Like He'll probably get close to that in general just building up over time but i don't think he has that kind of conor mcgregor whirlwind once in a generation style oh it doesn't matter he was going to be famous so he's gonna need a, a lift from somewhere else and there uh, stipe wasn't a star um that 
I don't think that's controversial. <laughs> it's a fact. So he he doesn't have anybody to get it from. Brock Lesnar has, I know, flirted with coming out of retirement. There ain't a chance in hell he's come out of retirement at this point. So he, he doesn't have anybody to give him that bump. I think John Jones is the best he can expect to give that bump. And I know jo- uh, Jones is not like the biggest star in the sport, but he is a really well-known fighter. Like he, he is a star, certainly. And that fight, should it ever come to pass, will be absolutely enormous. And that, I think, would, would really launch uh, Ngannou up into the upper echelon here and then if he can just build some title defenses like it the comp being a star in the sport is some combination of natural charisma and awesome performances uh and duration uh and ganu is obviously going to give you awesome performances he has the charisma he just needs to do it over an extended period of time and i i think that's very much in play for him yeah absolutely Let's talk about Stipe real quick, Jed, because, I mean, listen, the man has put together an incredible resume, widely considered the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. I know he lost, but uh, I think you can't take that title away from him just yet if you actually gave it to him. He has... Okay, well, well, we'll let you get there, but he has the dominant win over Ngannou in the past. He's got two wins over DC. He's got wins over JDS, Overeem, Fabricio Verdum. The list goes on and on. The man has nothing more to prove in this sport, in my opinion. So I'll let you wax poetically on Steve A and your thoughts about him being the greatest heavyweight in UFC history, if you like. But I'm curious where you think he goes from here, Jed. Like, do you, and I hate asking this question, but do you think we see him again? So first of all, Mike, I'd like to say that I'm upset with you because I thought the best thing that happened on Saturday was we didn't have to talk about Stipe anymore because we only talked about him because he was a champion. Now he's not the champion, so we don't have to bother ourselves with the least interesting person in the sport. Again, he is obviously a good dude, but he is a black hole of charisma and he has never been a fun person to talk about in the context of fight sport. So. Really upset that I'm still having to do this. That being said, uh, I think Stipe probably gets the title still of greatest UFC heavyweight champion because there's just so much up in the air about that, and he probably has done enough to to earn it and hold on to it. Uh, I do think it's funny that you talk about his dominant win over Ngannou because, sure, he won convincingly, but dominance is getting knocked out in the second round, so I think that's a more dominant showing. but. Uh, really, Stipe, like, he's obviously a good dude. I think he wants to keep fighting, so we're going to see him back again, and that's fine. He actually hasn't fought most of the top contenders at heavyweight, so it's totally okay to have him back. Like, my my big issue with Miocic's entire run through the top of the heavyweight division is not a knock on Miocic so much as I always felt that he was the beneficiary of really good timing. Like he rose up during a time when the heavyweight division didn't have any talented young prospects and everybody that was good was in the old guard. Honestly, you can make the exact same argument about John Jones, but nobody wants to. And I get a lot of shit when I make that argument, but it's true. Stipe just did it at heavyweight. And so he didn't have to beat a lot of like young fighters. He just beat a lot of old dudes who were the best in the world because the division's really bad. So uh, it's interesting to me that if you look at the rankings now, there actually are a bunch of young dudes, and Stipe hasn't fought any of them because he spent his time 
beating up all the all the old guard. So if he wants to stay, that's great. He can have a bunch of fights against the guys he hasn't fought. He hasn't fought Siogane. He hasn't fought Derek Lewis. He hasn't fought Alexander Volkov. Like I think he wins most of those fights or certainly has the capability of winning them. And if he wants to keep fighting, uh, he will headline fight nights. And that will be a thing that he can do because of his former name. But we don't need to talk about him anymore unless he's got the belt again because the man's boring. I'm sorry. He's boring. Jose, where, where does Stipe go from here? Um, if he does come back, what sorts of matchups make sense? Like, what, what, what are you thinking about? I mean, obviously, he's got another kid on the way. So that's good for, for him and his wife and the family. But where does he go from here? Well, he's probably not going to fight for the rest of the year, especially with a new kid on the way, which also he got decapitated on public television. So probably wants some time off, uh, and rightfully so. Greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Up for debate if he's the greatest MMA heavyweight of all time, but we can talk about that down the road. If he does come back, I just think I don't know. I don't know because the heavyweight division could be completely different. I know we have. I'm sure we're going to have questions about John Jones and uh, Francis Ngannou. Let's make that fight happen, or let's make the Derek Lewis fight happen, and then Cyril Gong can fight whoever. But let's have fight play out first before we start to fantasy matchmake. Because, like I always say. No one in the UFC gives fans what they want. They don't even give fighters what they want half the time. It's like trying to fantasy uh, come up with theories for TV shows. TV shows. You're just saying what you want to happen. Doesn't mean it will happen. So let's see what happens first before I start putting my foot in my mouth and after fights that will never happen. Pop quiz for both of you. How many currently ranked heavyweights has Steve Miocic fought? I got to look at the rankings. Don't look at the ranking. I'm just, just uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess I'm guessing zero. I'm guessing well, does the champ is the champion ranked or is he a champion? Yeah, we're including Ngani was ranked. Uh All right, one. One. One is correct. Yeah. <laughs> that is because what Cormier, J Cormier retired, JDS Overeem gone, Verdum gone, Arlovsky unranked, Hunt retired. Maldonado, light heavyweight. Roy Nelson, Bellator. Yep. RIP, Shane Del, Del Rosario. Struve retired. DeFreeze gone. Beltron, bare knuckle. Am I missing anyone? No, it was really good. But yeah, think think about that. Like the heavyweight champion of the world had effectively beaten one dude in the rankings. And now he just lost that dude. <laughs> if he sticks around, great. I mean, I, I definitely want to see him again. I think he's got more gas to the tank. If he chooses to move on, man's one of the all-time greats, but we'll see. I, I, I've been an advocate because I don't think he's going to fight again this year. If Chris Dacus can run off a few more wins, you do firefighter versus the police officer, because Dacus will probably be like a top three guy by that point. And I think there's some some good story oh there, some God. good good stuff. Got to win first. <laughs> Chris Dacus yeah. is going to be a top three fighter. Maybe close the whole damn division down, dude. Close the oh. whole damn division down. Maybe we'll see what happens. Listen, that's if he's going to be out for a year. A lot can happen in a year. We'll see. We'll, we'll see where the where, where the winds take us. But like you said, he, he and the wife they're having a second child. He's going to be a very busy man. Great champion. But uh, let's discuss what could happen with the new champion in round two. But the point for round one goes to. The champion, Jose Young's up one to nothing. Ooh, had to make you sweat. 
I sure did. I was like, it's April Fool's. How, how can I stretch this out just a couple more seconds and make him sweat a little bit? But uh. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Listen, we talked about Stipe. We talked about the results of the fight. And normally, at this point in time, after a big fight like that, there's a debate as to what should be next for a new champion. Maybe you run it back with the former champion. Maybe you give it to the guy who has run off a bunch of wins in the division, a bunch of finishes. And I I guess in this case, while you can make arguments for both of those sides, if you really want to, the fight to make universally is Francis Ngata versus John Jones, right? We've already talked about it a few times. Jose, sure, we could do the Stipe trilogy. We could do the Derek Lewis fight. But John Jones is the fight everybody wants to see. Now, we all understand that this will not be easy to get to this place where we have pen to paper and we have a date booked and two guys walking into the octagon to fight. It's already been a struggle, which we'll discuss. But Jose, should the UFC strike while the proverbial iron is hot, do everything they can to make Ngannou versus Jones happen ASAP? Or can we wait on this fight? No, you don't wait on this fight. We've been talking about John Jones <laughs> going to heavyweight for like 10 years. Enough waiting. Just make it happen. Like, this is the fight to make. John Jones is already bulking up. Like, no, this this question, this question, do you strike while the iron is hot? Oh, oh, what, what scenario in the world, in the world, has the answer been no? In any scenario, when should we strike when the iron is cold? So, yes, book it now. Give the greatest fighter of all time what he wants. I know. It might backfire for the UFC because what if John Jones wins and you gave him all this money? You're going to have to keep giving him money and more money and more money and more money. But if he beats Francis Ngannou and becomes the greatest fighter of all time and then he fights Stipe and then you have so the proverbial greatest heavyweight versus greatest light heavyweight. Oh, Stipe can get his title back if he wins. Blah, 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 blah. Just make it happen. Just make it happen. Or better yet, you know what? Don't make it happen. Wait for this rivalry to cool down and they can fight when they're old, like Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, because that was a lot of fun. Oh, April Fools, make it now. 
I was hoping. <laughs> ah, see, this is this is why I love being in the hosting chair because I was hoping for that kind of response and that kind of fire. We got a Jed. Can you match that fire? I mean, th this is the fight to make. Like, this is silly. I mean. So sure, it's the fight to make because it's the fight that most people want to see. Uh, I am weirdly very interested in uh, in, in Ghana Lewis too. Like I'm kind of, I think that fight might actually be more fun to watch, like from an engaged perspective, than uh, Ngannou Jones. But yeah, look, like this is obviously the fight that should be made. I can't get that pumped about it because it's clearly not going to happen. And you guys have been not watching the sport long enough. Like it is no super fight ever happens. Think back to all of the best fights that could have ever been made. How many of them got made? Like none, none of them have been made. It is a miracle that the Connor Floyd fight ever happened and a lot of people clearly wanted to watch that damn thing like this just isn't gonna happen because even if it did somehow get booked a hundred percent the mma gods are are gonna shit all over it like we couldn't get habib tony there ain't no chance in hell we're getting this fight <laughs> like and so frankly it, it doesn't matter like yes this is ridiculous i wrote all about this it's up on the site right now about how dana's being an, an asshole and should just make this fight happen <laughs> but they're not going to and it's it's the same reason they haven't made any of the other fights like they have a price in mind and this is one of the few times fighters have ever figured out oh, I actually deserve more money than I'm getting and I maybe have leverage here. But they don't because fighters don't have leverage. None of you have leverage. Connor has a little bit of leverage and the rest of you don't have shit, but you won't unionize, so you're all broke. Like, that's the choice here. If you guys, if this fight wants to happen, like if, if us as fans ever want good things to happen in our lives, we have to somehow find a way to make fighters get paid what they're worth because otherwise, every single time this occurs, every time that there's a fight we want, fighters will then view that as an opportunity to get more money, but they won't because the UFC is not going to pay them. So we will just get worked up and excited for a thing that cannot be. So that's where I stand. Like, yeah, this is a fight you should make. It's not going to happen. So we should just get pumped for the Derek Lewis Francis Ngannou too because that's what we're getting. All right. <laughs> you give me that sound, Casey. Where am I wrong? Spot the lie. All right. I, I, you lied. You you incorrectly called Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor a fight. LOL. Move on. I mean, <laughs> they, they competed. Sure. Not a, they, were in, they, were in, they were in the same room and they did some things. I wouldn't call it a fight. They hit each other. Did they? <laughs> Connor hit him like five times. Everybody oh. got really excited when he did. Come on. We all remember the uppercut. The uppercut. I, I remember going to the circus that day. That was fun. <laughs> all right. Wow. Are you serious? <laughs> I don't know how you found that sound effect, but, but kudos to you. Uh, so, Jed, kind of building upon what you just said. Because John Jones, as he's been over the last year, since he's talked about going to heavyweight and fighting Francis Ngannou, he's been – He's been quite public, quite open in regards to negotiations, the business, money, conversations with the brass, telling the world, then deleting, 
what is actually happening along the way from his perspective. So recently, he tweeted out, eight to $10 million was not going to be enough to get this done. So let, let me ask you, Jed, how have you reacted to how John has dealt with this whole thing since the show me the money tweet after Ngana won the title to where we are right now? Like, how would you grade Jones's approach to trying to get this fight done over the last five days? Among the many questions that I have in the sport of MMA, you know, what would, would Habib and Tony have looked like? Uh, I think the most curious one that I just cannot understand for the life of me is why in the name of God, does John Jones not have a publicist? And if so, what the does he pay that person for? John Jones should just never tweet. Like, he is actually 100% in the right here. Like, he is very obviously totally correct. But he has no ability to not come off terribly. Like, he has no – there is no way to view him as an empathetic person – even in a situation where he is getting screwed over massively or has the potential to be screwed over massively, I guess it hasn't officially happened yet. Like he, he needs to just not tweet about this at all because he's bad at it. And it, it's not going to help anything in general. Like if he hadn't tweeted about that, right? Like just imagine a world where John Jones had said, sweet, I'm really excited to fight Francis Ngannou. Like that was the tweet he made on Saturday Dana doesn't go off off the hip and is like, oh yeah, he doesn't want to fight. Now he's fighting. Now John Jones is stuck battling this admittedly like aggressively horseshit line from his his promoter, but he still has to do that. Like he can just leave those contract negotiations to to be quiet, and he can just be like, yeah, super want to fight this dude. Really excited for it, or just not say anything at all. Take it from me, a guy who says a lot of things all the time. Often, it would be way better if I just shut the fuck up. So, John Jones, just shut the fuck up, and everybody will figure it out. <laughs> I was wondering what kind of what kind of sound effect we were going to get from the live studio audience, and uh, apparently they're with you. Jose, uh, going to you on this topic, Michael Chiesa obviously is a fighter. He was on What the Heck. He feels like John Jones... It's kind of like where Jed's at. He's making a mistake putting all this stuff on out in public and social media, doing these negotiations on Twitter, essentially. How would you sort of rate what, what John has been doing? Should he have left it at just show me the money? Like, would that have just, would that have been enough? Um, it's an interesting question. Uh, I think the fact that he put his hit the exact amount he was asking for out there, it's probably a little bit of a mistake. It's showing your hand too much, but he does have a publicist. The problem is he doesn't listen to her. I mean, we remember that UFC 200 press conference when he had the failed drug test and he sat there crying and Malki Kawa, his manager, and I can't remember her name off the top of my head. His, her, she was sitting there next to him. And then Casey, who's running the ones and twos, we were at the UFC 239 media day and she was standing next to John Jones the entire time listening to all his questions. The problem is when she's not there, and I'm pretty confident that someone else is John Jones's Twitter account, has access to John Jones' Twitter account and is just deleting while he's tweeting. It's not John Jones tweeting, deleting. It's John Jones tweeting, someone else deleting, and then John Jones is viewed as the one that's trying to delete it. So uh, that's my theory on that whole matter because no one can tweet and delete that quickly, unless your name is Jed Mishu, probably. Uh, 
but yeah, probably just don't put the monetary out there. Like, like my case says, I don't really know. I'm not a fighter. I'm not going to try to get in the mind of a fighter. I've never dealt with, dealt with contract negotiations with a fight promoter like this. So I, I can't tell you the right path. Uh, I'm not going to pretend and I'm not going to sound like an expert. So as a journalist, I love it because I get to see what's happening. And I'm sure some fighters like it because like Nate Diaz says, don't fight for anything less than you're worth. And he kind of lambasts fighters like Cowboy and all those fighters that will just take fights because they want to fight and make money. And Nate Diaz wants to make a lot of money and he holds out. And then as we've all said before, when they try to make these fights, the most logical answer, just like in this, just like Jed said, we're probably going to get Francis Lewis too because Derek Lewis is the cheaper fighter. John Jones said eight to $10 million. What did Derek Lewis respond right away? I'll fight for eight million. Shit, that's your answer right there because that's what's going to happen. John Jones said what he wanted. Derek Lewis is already offering to fight for less, so it's going to blow up in his face. And now we're going to get in Ghana Lewis too, which is not something to shake your head at. It's just unfortunate for John Jones. He's not going to get his money. Let's say, let's put the over under on as it's September thirtieth, Jose. Does this fight between Ngannou and Jones even get close? Like, are we even discussing a date for this fight? Like, is it on the books at least? Has it happened? Or, or just, this is just like wishful thinking at best. This is wishful thinking at best. I'm pretty confident that Dana hasn't even spoken to John Jones because he usually speaks to Hunter Campbell and John Jones are the ones that speak. Hunter Campbell, of course, if you ever see Dana White at press conferences uh, speaking over to the side about fights, it's either uh, someone from UCPR but most of the time, it's Hunter Campbell who's dealing with all the, the businesses with that. And uh, that's why he said, what did Dana say when John Jones tweeted? Call Hunter. Not call me. Call Hunter. So I'm pretty confident that the person that matters the most in this scenario that can make the fight happen, Dana White, hasn't even spoken to the man that he's trying to book this fight. So not even close. Not even close. No date. No timetable. No money. Let's get him in the same room before we can even possibly try to figure this out. Jed, what will your face look like if you're watching UFC 261 in Jacksonville and they cut to this promo, John Jones saying, I'm here, pen to paper, it's going down August 15th or something. What's your face going to look like? What's your surprise face? It's not going to happen. That's, look, I'll, I'll go one step further. Not only has Dana White not spoken to him, I think that's probably very true. I don't think he has any intention of even really trying to book this fight. Like as far as Dana White's concerned, he knows the lay of the land already. There are no negotiations here. Like John Jones told them his price range. That is very clearly not a price that they w- are willing to pay. Like so, he like at best Hunter Campbell will just be like, "Yeah, here's ten million. Like I know you said you wouldn't fight for it, so that's our starting point. Is what you will not fight for because we hold all of the cards, and so John is either going to." cave and take 10 million which he is he's not going to do at least at first blush like i don't think this fight gets anywhere in the neighborhood of close i think in the next couple of weeks here we very quickly just move on to oh yeah we're already booking uh uh versus lewis too because you know like we talked about last round Ngannou wants to stay active lewis ready to fight will take pennies on the dollar of what he probably is worth so they'll just move along because the UFC is, is going to just do the math and say, all right, we can get 80% of the return 
for 20% of the investment here and it's just not a headache. Again, they're totally morally trash in this instance, but it is what is going to happen. So I don't have to concern myself with, with the fantasy world of which the only way, the only way I think we get Nganu Jones this year is if a fight or probably would even have to be like an Nganu fight falls through uh, some somebody pulls out like a month in advance or they are desperately in need of a headliner for an end of the year show. And then they maybe open up the pocketbook like just a little bit to make it happen. Cause otherwise the UFC is just going to sit there. They don't need this fight. Uh, and they'll just sit and wait cause they have a deeper war chest than John Jones does. So it'll be Usman Mazadal fight Island all over again. That's the only chance we get. Yeah. Uh, exactly. That's the only scenario we get there. Well, hopefully we can get this done some way, somehow. I'm a little more optimistic than you guys just because I'm trying to be positive. But at the same time, I'm with you both. Despite how the first fight went, I am very interested in France Nagano versus Derek Lewis, too, as a consolation prize. So if this can't get done, I'm okay with that option as well. We shall see. We're going to move ahead to round three, but the point for round two goes to... I mean, got to give it to Jed here. This was kind of a no-brainer. The people were with him as well. It's one-to-one. It was kind of like a babyface turn. There are a lot of peeps on Team Jed with that one. This is this is good stuff. So let's talk about some I take them very interesting. An emotional do. roller coaster. <laughs> All sorts of terrain. We're, we're, we're in the water. We're on the land, up the mountains, down the mountains. But let's talk about some very interesting and surprising news we found out earlier this week. We found out what the co-made event for UFC 262 will be on May 15th in Houston. It's going to include the return of one Nathan Diaz, his first fight since UFC 244, that BMF title fight at MSG with Jorge Mazadal. Fight did not that did not go very well for Mr. Diaz. He will be fighting Leon Edwards, and not only will this fight be the co-main event, it will be the first non-title five-round co-main event in UFC history. So I'm not going to mince words, Jose. Were you as surprised as the rest of the world when this news dropped? Yeah, I'm. there's a whole lot to unpack here. I am very surprised that in Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards, I'm very surprised it's a co-main event, and I'm very, very surprised it is a five-round fight for a possible number one contender fight. And I am pleasantly surprised at the at that last one because I've been saying that forever. I remember I did this long interview with Carl Condon. He laid it all out. Like, if we're fighting for number one contender, we should be fighting five rounds because what if it's a draw? We should show that we can go five rounds. The number one contender should be able to go five rounds. Doesn't have to reach it, but that sh- it should be there. Uh, so, yes, I am 100 in favor of contender fights happening uh, in five rounds. And for people saying, oh, it's not the number one contender, let's come on, guys. Let's be let's be real here. Here's what the UFC wants to happen. Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards. Jorge Masvidal beats Kamara Usman. Nate Diaz and, Kamar- and Jorge Masvidal fight for the two for like two belts, blah, 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 blah. And then the winner fights Conor McGregor because in this hypothetical scenario, Conor McGregor beats Dustin Poirier. And it goes up to welterweight, and they make a lot of money. And John Jones still hasn't fought in the meantime. So yes, uh, that's the scenario they want to happen to maximize all of these fake belts that they keep throwing around. They can even give Connor his McGregor belt, and they can make it a three belt person four because Connor would be going for the welterweight. So you got four belts, and that's what the UFC needs in their life right now, giving more power to Connor McGregor because then when he goes and fights Jake Paul, he's a four time 
UFC champion <laughs> with two fake belts. Yes, this is a blood-soaked hellscape that I am putting in front of you, but this is what the UFC wants, <laughs> and it all starts in Houston. But I am so excited for Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz because Leon Edwards is about that life because for all we say about Nate Diaz being a bad motherfucker and Jorge Maswell being a bad motherfucker, Leon Edwards is about that life from Birmingham, England. I Go watch his BT Sport uh, uh, promo. He is... He is, he is not one to back down from any sort of fist fight. So, yeah, I am all in. Just a quick reminder for anybody watching this on, if they put it on their smart TV or something, there's kids running around, viewer discretion is advised. Just throwing that out there. Uh, but, Jed, uh, you know, I've been working with you for just over a year now, and there are certain things some certain pieces of information where my natural reaction is, I wonder what Jed thinks about this. And I have to I say, when this fight was announced, this was exactly, I was like, I cannot wait for Thursday because I want to know what Jed thinks about this. So what do you think? Your reaction to the fight, five rounds, et cetera. What do you think about this whole thing? I have so many thoughts because this is out of freaking left field, man. Like nobody had this on their, on their Scrabble card. Nobody's like, oh yeah, definitely saw that one coming. Like just from the rafters. Uh, and it's weird. This fight, I'll talk about that last because I think the fight sucks. Uh, it's, it's good planning by the UFC. Like Jose's right. They very clearly have an agenda here. They want Nate Diaz to, to beat Leon Edwards, uh, because that's the only reasonable way to view this. The only other way to view it is they're really like Leon Edwards and they're trying to get him a big profile win to set him up for a rematch with Usman. And that's clearly not the case. They hate Leon Edwards. So they're, they're really just hoping Nate gets this done. I am astonished that Nate took this fight. Like Nate Diaz, what a weird dude, man. <laughs> we just talked about John Jones and, and sitting out and getting his worth. Nate Diaz like does that mostly right where he doesn't really put his business out there that much, but he just talks a bunch of shit. Uh, that's usually ridiculous, but people seem to like it, so it works for him. And then they'll just out of nowhere be like, All right, I'll fight Anthony Pettis. Like, what? <laughs> Nobody was calling for you to fight Anthony Pettis, but sure, I guess we'll take it. Like, this is another one of those. Uh, the best thing about this is the five round co main event. Uh, I have been an incredibly vocal proponent that the only purpose the rankings serve, as far as I'm concerned, should be that when ranked fighters fight, it should be five rounds because grown-ass men and women fight for 25 minutes, not 15. And at any point in time, any fight between two ranked fighters could end up being a number one contender's belt, whether it is or not, because the UFC doesn't like to say the number one contender thing because that limits options. Like they should just be fighting five fives. So this is great. Uh, I hope that this this breaks the dam and moving forward, we just get a lot more of those because the sport and fandom will be way better off for it. Uh, so all of that's good. The fight itself sucks. Leon Edwards is going to whoop his ass. Uh, Nate Diaz is washed. If you watch the Jorge Masvidal fight, you watch the washed dude get beat up by a good dude. Leon Edwards would beat up Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Leon Edwards is very not washed. He's, in fact, very good, And but for the eye pokes, was put in the wood to Bilal Muhammad. So uh, I'm glad that they didn't run that back because I have actually – I'm with Leon. I have no interest in watching that fight, even though I think Bilal Muhammad's a pretty good welterweight. Uh, he can do a lot better. This fight, again, I don't really have much interest because he's going to just beat the tar out of Nate Diaz. 
But Nate Diaz is tough, so he's going to be there for 25 minutes to get his ass beat for that long. So that's cool. Um, this is the the plan works from the UFC. The outcome is not going to be the one they want. But what it will eventually set up is is Usman Edwards too, or and that's a really good fight from like a sport meritocracy standpoint. So when that's when that's your floor, when the worst thing that can happen is you probably you get like the champion defending against one of the legitimate top guys in the division, you're in a pretty good situation. Jed, if you are Colby Covington, if you're Wonderboy Thompson, if you're Gilbert Burns, Michael Chiesa, any of these top five, six, seven guys at once, if you're Vicente Luque right now, who called for Nate, seeing him get the Leon Edwards fight, people trashing his call out saying, that was a stupid call out, that was a waste of a call out, which I did not. I thought it was actually a, a pretty good call out. It made sense compared to what Nate Diaz was looking for for his next fight, since he's a surging guy that's finishing fights. But if you're these other guys, if you're Colby, Wonderboy, Burns, et cetera, what are you thinking right now seeing this fight getting put together? Thinking, what the hell? <laughs> um, like, one, Luke, I, that was a trash call out. Like, you shouldn't be calling for a fight with Nate Diaz. Like, Conor McGregor is the only person who should be trying to fight Nate Diaz. I get that he's a big name, but Nate's just not going to fight you unless you're apparently Leon. Edwards, so uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm wrong actually. Upon further consideration, maybe you should just shoot your shot because I would have thought Leon Edwards would be the last dude they yes, would try to fight. So, uh, but I mean, if you're the rest of these guys, like you just you're not in the conversation and you have to accept that. Colby's not going to because Colby is real business dumb. Uh, I don't think that he is dumb promotionally. I actually think like the whole shtick. He's getting better at it. It was probably a good move for him to adopt it or to turn the knobs up on, on his natural personality, if you want to make that argument. But he has proven to be one of the worst business people in the sport because he has done nothing but consistently talk himself out of big fights uh, for no real in like increase in income. So, but he, he that's he's just gonna do that. That's Colby. Colby's gonna be him. So you can't really worry that he's going to keep waiting for an Usman rematch that's never going to materialize. But if you're Wonderboy, like you, it the same thing is the case. You always knew that you were at best an outside, like outside looking in. You need another win. You're not going to get to fight one of the top two or three guys because they aren't going to fight anyone. They're just they're just holding on and hoping they get the title shot. So you just got to fight somebody else. Like Wonderboy to me is the big the big one here. Because as we've talked about on previous episodes, I, I have no respect for Michael Chiesa, not because he's bad, but because I'm clearly an idiot and I can't in my head think that he's good at welterweight despite all evidence to the contrary. So if you're Wonderboy, you just got to try and fight Gilbert Burns because Burns does seem willing to fight anybody. And if you beat Burns, then you're going to get a title shot. And Burns needs two wins to get back in the title conversation. So you're probably just looking at it this going, yeah, Leon Edwards is about to get a title fight. I need to get back to work. I need to find an opponent and I need to make a statement. So maybe I can get the next one after that. What do you think, Jose? Anything you would uh, veer away from or change from what Jed just said in terms of the rest of this division, how they may react to this news? I mean, Wonderboy is the big loser right here because he's the a the like he's the oldest of this whole crop of fighters. Uh, he's coming off a couple injuries. He's coming off fights against rising prospects, and now he's probably going to have to fight another one unless he fights Gilbert Byrne 
Gilbert Burns or Colby Covington, which is unfortunate for him. I thought the Leon Edwards fight would have been awesome or the Colby Covington fight if it's a number one contender fight. But like we said, the UFC has showed their hands. They want the winner of uh, Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz to fight for the title. And one was at now, what, two wins away? They're going to make Steven Thompson fight two more times for possibly being uh, in the title contention again. So if I'm him, I just take a fight to stay ready and keep my fingers crossed that someone falls out or hopefully not, but gets COVID or whatever, because we've seen these, like Kevin Holland, we just talked about, loses to Derek Brunson, and now he's fighting someone else in the top 10. And imagine a world where Kevin Holland beats Marvin Vittori, and all of a sudden he's ranked higher than Derek Brunson. What a bizarre world that would be. So, yes, uh, if I'm Steven Thompson, just stay ready in case someone falls out. It's crazy, man. Of course, we got Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush on that card as well, which will be interesting. Jay, let me ask you this. I understand from a dollars and cents perspective why Nate Diaz is in this co-main event spot. But if we're taking all that out of it, if all things are equal, would this be the co-main event five rounds or would you do Darius versus Ferguson five rounds? I mean, this would be the co-main event only because this is ostensibly a number one contender fight. Like they're, they're not going to call it that, but if Nate wins, he is obviously either fighting Connor because Nate will always choose to fight Connor over anything else. Or he is more likely going to fight Usman because Usman, when he defeats Masvidal again, will immediately start calling for Nate Diaz. Like that, that just makes sense. So from that standpoint, yes. From every other standpoint, no, because like I said, I think that ranked fighters should be fighting 25 minutes and Darius Ferguson, like those are ranked lightweights. I'm also, I'm not that upset about it though, mainly because I think Tony Ferguson's washed. So I don't need to see him get beat up for 25 minutes. 15 will suffice. Jose, your thoughts. I know you're a high. See, you look at things differently. That you you look at things as high level martial arts competition. So, if we're up to you, all things equal, what's the better high level martial arts competition sort of fight here? Mm, probably the Leon Edwards Nate Diaz fight, because uh, like we've back to back fights, Tony Ferguson has gotten beat up pretty badly, and yeah, Nate Diaz lost to Jorge Masvidal, but it was on the stool. He got that big gash over his head, which is not going to play into his favor when left elbow Larry as Leon Edwards calls him, is just slicing his face up in there in the clinch. Also, this I'm and I'm a big Nate Diaz fan. I like watching him fights. I'm always in the tune and watch him fight. I think he's a high-action fighter. But you know the narrative is he starts slow, and in the later rounds, he picks it up and he can win. I can imagine, and I'm imagining this right now, Leon Edwards just pieces him up for two rounds, and then Nate Diaz wins the third round, and then everyone goes, oh, if there were two more rounds, he would have won. Now that excuse is out the window because we have five rounds to work with. So they're taking the built-in excuses for the Nate Diaz fans, and they're giving him two more rounds. So if he loses a decision and gets beat up for four, there's no, oh, if there were 13 rounds, he would have won. Nope, 25 minutes of fighting. <laughs> it's, a, it's right there. We gave you what you wanted, and your boy's still lost. Not saying he's going to lose. I haven't made up my mind yet. I obviously lean very much into the favor he's of Leon Edwards, but – He's Here we go. Lose. You got five rounds. That's fine, but I I can't even look past this week, let alone 262, because remember, Chaz Skelly walked into the octagon, and he didn't even fight. So I'm not even going to pretend to imagine those two men making it into the octagon just yet. So, yes, uh, give them five rounds so you can take away the excuse of Nate Diaz needs five rounds to compete. 
You have such a vivid imagination, though. You just imagined a world where Nate Diaz beats Leon Edwards in the third round. Nate Diaz ain't beating Leon Edwards in the 20th round. He's getting his ass fair. beat for as long as they fight. This is this is a very non-competitive fight. In my I opinion. live, as you can see behind me, I have a lot of fiction books behind me. And I'm even wearing a shirt with John Cena and the words Slipknot and Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie on my shirt. I live in the enchantment of the mind. So, of course, in this scenario, Nate Diaz has a chance against Leon Edwards. <laughs> That's what a crazy shirt you, that you is. Don't look at, you a, don't believe me? <laughs> I know. I, if why there's one the person shirt, I believe, it's you. Why the shirt exists is beyond me, but I own it now, and it's the greatest shirt of all time. Uh, right now, uh, minus 310, Leon Edwards is the favorite over Nate Diaz. Bet the house on that. That line is soft. <laughs> Right now, the the marks and the sharps are predicting that the line will get up to minus four thirty come fight night. So we'll see. Yeah, that if you're a Leon fan, right. if you're if you're a Leon fan, you might want to jump on that now before the lines go up. But UFC two sixty two May fifteenth, like Jose said, a lot can happen. Houston, Texas, it all goes down. Should be very interesting. We're going to move to the final round of regulation. The point for round three in a very tight round goes to. He stole it in the end. The champ, Jose Youngs, takes a two-to-one lead. I got to bring Man, more props. I'm not bringing enough props to this contest. That's that's the problem here. <laughs> hey, hey, Jed, He's why are you dressed so normal? I I don't own a Slipknot John Cena. Nicole Richie, <laughs> is it the other one shirt? You forgot but, Paris Hilton. You forgot. Oh, and Paris, see, and that's my fault. I should have known that coming in. I know what a big Paris Hilton fan Mike is. Listen, so there's I, four I things, Jed. There's there's four things you need in life when you wake up, and they're all on my shirt: John Cena, <laughs> Slipknot, Nicole Richie, Paris Hilton, and then you too can be between the links champions someday when you grow up. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> by the way this is, is, as as interesting as the shirt is it had nothing to do with why jose won the round so i'm just gonna put that out there at that's four rounds four and five for a nate diaz fight there's no excuse it's the shirt had nothing to do with it but no ufc no ufc this weekend no ufc first time in a long time but tomorrow night for the first time in 2021 Bellator is back at Mohegan Sun in beautiful, scenic Uncasville, Connecticut. The Bellator on Showtime era begins. <laughs> Patricio Pitbull defends the featherweight title against Emmanuel Sanchez in the main event. Last semifinal bout of the featherweight Grand Prix. Winner gets AJ McKee later on this year. We got Neiman Gracie versus Jason Jackson in the co-main event. Tyrell Fortune versus Jack May on the main card. The Bellator debut of Usman Nurmagomedov against Mike Hamill. We got Kana uh, Watanabe versus Alejandro Lara kicking off the main card festivities. Jed Mishu, are you excited about the return of Bellator MMA tomorrow night? Where, where, where's your excitement levels at? I would be a lot more excited if they hadn't picked the one weekend we get off in 2021 to have a fight card. Like, I get it. That's probably good business from their standpoint, but I was so pumped to be like, oh, yeah. I finally don't have to do a thing this weekend. And it's like, oh, actually, no. I have to go watch 
Pitbull rematch of duties clearly going to beat. And like, if this was the Pitbull AJ McKee fight, 100% all in. That fight is a banger. I'm pumped. I'm very excited. The main event here, it's it's the tournament. You got to do it because that is what decorum dictates. But nobody's excited about this fight. Like, there is no question the outcome here. It is – this is just biding our time for the fight everybody wants and, frankly, the fight everybody's wanted from day one of the Grand Prix. The rest of this card is actually pretty good, honestly. Like, if I can pull back my – my sadness that I have to do something tomorrow night instead of just get drunk, uh, then I can I can objectively admit that there are a lot of people that I'm interested competing on this card. Neiman Gracie Jason Jackson is actually like a really good fight. I like Jason Jackson a lot. Um, Neiman Gracie he has a very important last name, so that's good. Uh, the rest of the card is like not bad, especially by Bellator standards, because you know sometimes they'll put out a real shit box or two. But uh, it, it is definitely a bit of a downer because I don't get to be drunk tomorrow night. Now I have to pay attention to fighting. Uh, but, you know, I'll give it a solid B. I'm, uh, it, it, it's good that they did this on a non-UFC weekend. But I just – I wish we were already at Pitbull AJ McKee. Like that's what we all want. What about you, Jose? How excited are you for the return of, of Bellator MMA in 2021? Um. I'm excited for the main event. Anytime you have a champ champ fighting and uh, Patricio Pitbull gets it. Unfortunately, he can't really speak perfect English yet. So I think a lot gets lost in translation, especially when Captain Eric uh, is translating for him. And he kind of th- he kind of colors up his answers a lot during press conferences and virtual media days and so on and so forth. But uh, he's clearly the best fighter in the history of Bellator and he's still in the prime of his career. He might be the best featherweight in the world, but obviously I don't. You still got Volkanovski, Max Holloway, and Brian Ortega out there. And those fights are never going to happen anytime soon. And Michael Chandler is obviously the flavor of the month over in the UFC. He's fighting for a goddamn UFC title in his second fight, for crying out loud. And Patricio Pitbull knocked him dead in Chicago. So I'm very excited to watch him fight. But Emmanuel Sanchez, his opponent, it's like Jed said. He's just like – he's the Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., of this right now when Canelo fought Cesar Chavez Jr. And everyone just needed Triple G. Or he's like the Usyk when he fought uh, Anthony Joshua and everyone wants the Tyson Fury. No one's paying attention to this fight. They want to look to what's what's coming next. Emmanuel Sanchez is an absolutely awesome fighter. He's a high-level fighter. This fight's already happened before. Everyone wants Pitbull McKee for either belt because AJ McKee said he can make 155, no problem, too, and throw down there. So if he beats Pitbull at 145, why not fight him again in 155? Then all of a sudden, AJ McKee is your champ champ, and he can hold all the chips. And Patricio Pitbull can go to the UFC if he wants, and he can fight all these fighters he keeps calling out. Maybe we can get Michael Chandler Pitbull 2 inside a UFC octagon. But yes, Jackson's awesome. Roger Weritz is on the on the prelims. He's, of course, the original SI cover guy. Uh, he beat up that clown in Austin. I remember Everyone remembers that video from like 12, 15 years ago when that, that dork was hitting a woman, and Roger Weritz just broke brick on his face. So... Yeah, I'm excited, uh, but al- after the top three fights, it's going to take a lot for casual fans to tune in. It's on a Friday. I well, Weren't these fights on Thursday for a bit, too? I liked when they were on Thursdays, but yeah, at least we're past the pandemic and we can finish this Featherweight Grand Prix before we start the light heavy one. All right, Jose, what is, uh, well, let's get the casuals and invested here. What is, uh, you know what question's coming, the dark horse fighter fight storyline heading into tomorrow night that maybe people aren't talking about enough here. 
Um, well, obviously, anytime you see someone named Nurmagomedov, you're going to have to watch. So, uh, Usman Nurmagomedov, Mike Hamels, obviously one you got to circle. Neiman Gracie, Jason Jackson, Jason Jackson, what, his last two wins over Jordan Mean and Benson Henderson. So, if we're talking about casual fans, a lot of people think that if you don't fight in the UFC or haven't fought in the UFC, you're just a bad fighter, which is stupid. And Jordan Mean and Benson Henderson... They were very, very high-level UFC fighters. Spencer Henderson was even a champion, and people consider him one of the five greatest lightweights ever. And then he went up to welterweight, and Jason Jackson beat him. So those are the last two guys that Jason Jackson's won. Neiman Gracie, of course, was kind of the dark horse of that welterweight Grand Prix when it happened. He had the win over Ed Ruth. Uh, I believe Jason Jackson's only loss is to Ed Ruth, or his last loss to Ed Ruth. So interesting matchmaking. Uh, Tyrell Fortune has, what, one loss to Timothy Johnson. Jack May is another guy that fought in the UFC. I'm pretty sure I saw him get knocked dead in Bangor, Maine. I can't even remember. I can't remember because that fight card was just – that was a weird fight card. I had a fan yelling, sitting behind me who told Brett, Brad Tavares to go back to his own country, and the dude is from Hawaii. So that was a weird card. That should tell you how that crowd was. So, yeah, a lot of interesting fighters. Uh, but in terms of fights, there's a lot of fights that are going to be used to propel the, uh, the fighter that wins rather than have a high-level matchmaking uh, point of view. What do you think, Jed? What's your what's your dark horse heading into tomorrow? Even though you can't be drunk, uh, what are you going to soberly look forward to uh, from a dark horse perspective? Look, I I think I'm, Jose talked about a lot of things. He said probably the most salient point, which is there's a dude named Nurmagomedov on this, so uh, that's probably important. The the big ones for me, uh, there's another dude with a Edovi name, Magomedov, uh, Magomed Magomedov is a really good <laughs> prospect dude uh he's he has one loss his one loss is to uh, a little dude you might have heard of him his name's uh peter yan and he also has a win over yan as well so he is 17 and yan like that that's what he is dude is a really good prospect he's taking on a dude that i'll be honest i don't know much about cj hamilton um and this is probably a setup fight for magomed magomedov but like that that's a guy worth paying attention to uh, because he's very good at fighting. Like he is very clearly a, a very good bantamweight. But for bang for your buck, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the tried and true. Like if women are fighting on a card, dollars to donuts, they're gonna be scrapping. Uh, Kana Watanabe um, or Watanabe. Sorry, I said that real bad. Uh, <laughs> Kana Watanabe and Alejandro Lara is like they're both pretty good fighters. Like they're not the best. But they're both pretty solid, and they're probably going to scrap here. Uh, uh, Watanabe has uh, a background in deep. I always have mad respect for Jules. Uh, so that's kind of the the low-key fight I'm interested in. But, I mean, really, that that's the problem with this card in general. It is all deep cuts, and then a main event with a guy you know versus a guy that no one cares about who's decent but has already lost to the guy you know, like – it, this is a really quintessential Bellator card in a lot of ways because, like, there are a lot of people who kind of matter, but the fights themselves aren't tremendous, and it's a lot of noise uh, just kind of falling on deaf ears. Of course, for some New England flavor, if you want to see a six foot seven welterweight, you're going to get that on this card. Trevor Goody uh, has his fourth professional fight, six foot seven, 170 pounds. What a what a crazy thing that is. Uh, last thing on this Bellator, obviously. 
news-wise, they've been off to a pretty good start in 2021 with the signings, the Showtime deal, a lot of the matchups they made. We got a light heavyweight Grand Prix. We're going to see Rumble versus Yoel Romero in the first round in May. A lot to like here, but Jed, we talked about this. I remember it was you and Aaron Bronstetter, and we talked about what Bellator needs to do better. Now it's a new year. They've made some moves. They've addressed some things. What sorts of gaps do they need to fill in 2021? Uh, they need to have cards. That has been a big problem for them at the point. I frankly don't remember what I said uh, when I was just pulling the wood to Bronstetter last year, but I suspect <laughs> it wasn't what I'm going to say now because really the big problem for Bellator thus far in, in 2021 has been this is their first event. Like they they lost all the momentum on this Grand Prix. Like this i mean the grand prix think about it, this was a thing that everybody was super excited about they did the the seating show that was like different and cool and interesting and then i know that you can't really bank like plan around covid but they lost all the momentum from that so now that they're having shows again they're going to need to have shows be consistent consistency is key like uh like jose said they used to do these on thursday now it's on a friday like it's i work in this space and it's hard for me to keep track of this shit like i can't imagine a fan doing it especially because it's bounced from uh the zone to paramount to wherever the shit it is now like they need consistency and they need to just turn stuff out and they really need to strike while the iron is hot with this light heavyweight Grand Prix. Like they need to take all of the good stuff from the featherweight one and put it into the light heavyweight one where they have their most marketable names, their most marquee people probably. And they need to run with that as best they can. I think that will get them the most traction this year. Jose, your thoughts, what can Bellator do to make this the best 2021 it can possibly be? They need to start making, like they need to stack these fight cards again. Like, remember when when Rose Namajunas fought Jessica Andrade in Rio that same day was Bellator. I think it was 221, and I was there for that. Like, normally when at MMA Fighting, we go to these big events, and if we, we go to the Bellator cards when it's a big event. We had a pay-per-view, a UFC pay-per-view in Rio, I believe, or Sao Paulo. I can't remember which city it was in. And then they also had a Bellator event in Chicago, and they sent me because I had Pitbull Chandler, Lima MVP, AJ McKee, Pat Curran. Freaking Jake Hager fought on that card. And then remember when Bellator, they had those dynamite shows where they'd, you'd have like Tito Ortiz and Liam McGarry on the top of the card and a bunch of other fun fights and people would tune in and it was billed as this big flagship show of the year. And they even throw kickboxing in there and you had the kickboxing and the uh, MMA cage in the same venue and it just looked crazy and they introduced Fedor and they had all this cool stuff. They get, they come, they get it when they do that cool seating show. Where you get you have the ping pong balls and you can go up there and you can mix and match who your fights are. They're great at that, but they have to stack the cards because right now they're putting these awesome high level fights in the main event, and then there's a lot of fights in there that people aren't going to tune in for. It's like the AJ McKee Darren Caldwell fight. I can't even remember who else was on that card, and that fight was like that was a high level martial arts fight. They have to do a better job of stacking these cards. And shy away from the Bjorn Rebney uh, bookings where they have a, uh, a, a tournament and they have these really good fights at the top and then a bunch of random fights below. Just stack the cards. The UFC does it sometimes and it's great. UFC 259 was awesome. UFC 260 was supposed to be awesome for the featherweight title. Fell out. For all the flack the UFC gets for the business practice and rightfully so because it's all ridiculous tomfoolery and skullduggery. 
At least they stacked the cards and they forced people to tune in early and stay till the end. And Bellator is just not doing that right now. I can't believe you can't remember you or Bellator 253, the co-main event. It was Jason Jackson versus Vincent Anderson. There you go. See, I remember that fight happened, but I don't even remember what card it was on. And that's you know why you don't remember it because it happened in Uncasville, and Uncasville is where fun goes to die. So they should just never hold events in Uncasville. Like Jose said, it they went to Chicago, it was awesome. Do that, go to places that aren't Uncasville. You're not wrong. (laughs) Jose has uh has a lot of love for Mohegan Sun, it's his favorite place in New England and maybe in the world. That place sucks ass. I'd rather go to Newark, New Jersey. That's really a condemnation of any place I've ever heard. <laughs> I live like it. <laughs> oh man! Oh, I have friends Mohegan. that I have friends that work in Mohegan Sun, and they're like, "Well, we, when I go to visit, they're like, oh, you should come to Mohegan Sun.'" I was like, "No, I'm okay." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Do you, have, do you have some? Do you have some mercury I can pull pour in my ear? I'd rather do that. <laughs> oh man. We're besmirching the, the the hallowed name of of Mohegan Sun, scenic Uncasville. Man, oh man, we apologize to the people of Uncasville, but listen, we are excited for the return. We do not. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, we are excited for the return of Bellator. We'll have obviously coverage tomorrow night, so stick with us at MMA Fighting. We'll have post fight scrums on on YouTube results, etc. You know, Jed Sober takes I- on the card. I do want to say Mohegan Sun has one redeeming quality, and that is the first place that Gotti Ward took place. Gotti Ward won, so at least they have that going for them. That's a good point right there. So stay tuned for all sorts of Bellator since we pumped you up so much for tomorrow night uh, on MMAfunny.com. But is, also, is go ahead. worse than Packerville? <laughs> like, I think it is, right? I, like, it's not as good as... <laughs> I've that never been to Thackerville. Stuff. I can com- I can confidently say I've never been to Thackerville, so I couldn't tell you. I okay. also have not been to Thackerville. Thackerville is like right next to the, the Joe Exotic Zoo. Like it's like right in the neighborhood. Oh. It's got something going for it. <laughs> oh man. You know what? After that talk. You know what's going to happen right now. We, we got to do the knockout round. I don't even know who I'm giving the freaking point to. I just know we're doing another question because I'm all sorts of confused right now. Uh, I believe Jose Youngs uh, does not get this point. I believe Jed Mishu gets the point to tie things up. Uh, so that I means... I'm so excited for you to watch that. No, I, <laughs> I, I know what I'm doing. I'm a mess. Speaking of uh, tomfoolery and skullduggery, that's kind of where this question is going. But we have one more question. It's a fun one. And I had no idea where I was going with this until I heard tomfoolery and skullduggery. And I'm stealing Casey Lydon's idea. We had a little uh, a little DM conversation about a, something that was kind of funny. And we're going to go ahead and do that. I'm hijacking it. But each of these gentlemen are going to have 60 seconds to respond. And then we're going to turn it over to Casey to render the final decision with the help of our wonderful viewing audience here on Between the Links. So, Jose, you are the champion, and this is one of those questions, while it's fun, so basically I'm going to allow you the choice. You can go last if you'd like, or you can go first, but you can choose how this plays out. And I'll explain in a moment, but basically there's two sides. You'll get to choose the side you want to represent, but you'll get to go first. So do you want to go last, or do you want to choose which side and go first? 
I'll go first because I have no idea what's about to happen. So I'll yeah, be the weird. adult. Well, because as the adult, you always have to watch out for the for your uh, the minors. You know, protect the children, women and children. Get behind me. So Jed, I'll go first and take this for you. Okay. So basically, here's where we're going. Jed, you're going to know where you're going in a matter of moments as well. Uh, so the Reebok deal has come to an end. Venom has joined the UFC party. They are now the sponsored brand for the company. We saw that the fighters would be getting a, a very slight bump in the fight week sponsorship pay. But, Jose, I'm giving you the option. You can either give a welcome speech to the fighters on behalf of Venom, or you can give an exit speech to the fighters on behalf of Reebok. What would you like to do? Oh, I'm going to give the exit speech for Reebok 100%. Okay, one minute on the clock. You are the, uh, the the combat sports representative of Reebok. You are addressing the UFC rostered athletes of fighters. They're all there sitting in front of you right now. The microphone is in your hand. We've turned it on. It's live. Your time starts now. Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you all. It's been a lovely seven years that we've been together. I know you've only got half of the money, we promise, but... You know that glass half full, glass half empty, that 30 million as opposed to 70 million. Let's look at the positive. At least you got 30 million dollars. And we gave you a Snoop Dogg concert at the new UFC Apex. I mean, we gave you 10% off, even though you wear our stuff for free. And we got past the whole scenario where Uriah Faber's shorts were falling down against Dominic Cruz. We got past the part where we Gibbler. Melendez. We got past all that. Like, remember Mirko Flipovich? We put his name and we spelled that right. And of course, no one complained about that. We put Ireland in a Northern Irish fighter. We said all the fighters from Northern Ireland are from Ireland, but no one brought it up because of this great, fantastic partnership. So I say goodbye to all of you. I hope you enjoyed Venom. Where can you buy Venom? We don't know, but we can buy Reebok with 10% off at all of your Dick's Sporting Goods. Peace <laughs> very nice very nice and now we uh we say goodbye to to one era and we welcome in a new one as we welcome jed mishu the combat sports representative of venom as he now gets to address the fighters he's now on the stage the mic is now hot you have 60 seconds sir to uh to wow everybody your time starts right now so everybody, I'm supposed to come here and get you really excited about this new partnership. I'm not really sure why, because you had no say in this partnership, and you still don't. Uh, you can hate it or not. You're wearing it, so deal with it. On that note, I will say we have generously decided to give you a, a very slight pay bump from from what you previously had. Don't go looking into the math there too hard because it, it it's actually lower than what just a general inflation raise would have given you. But, you know, you're you're going to get more dollars in the bank account. And again, you know, if you're a champion, uh, it sucks to be you. I, I know that you're looking at 40K for, for a title defense, which is less money than you could get if you just just scalped tickets outside that you have. For sure, 40K, that seems like a good deal. Uh, but what you're getting in exchange on top of all of this, I know you're going from Reebok, a brand that is, you know, probably some third tier dog shit but is at least known third tier dog shit. Uh, you're going into a brand that nobody knows how to spell and it's stupid and awful. Enjoy. 
Uh, way to represent your company, Jed. Unreal. I don't even know what to say. I- I'm so glad I took this question off of Casey because I literally had no idea where it was going to go because what I was probably going to go to is what we're going to what we're going to do with April 10th. It's on ABC and we don't have a main event, but that box was checked off before we got into the first question with Kevin Holland stepping in. So we now turn it on over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, the man who made this question what it was. The Honorable E. Casey Lydon. Casey, you heard both sides. You heard from Reebok. You heard from Venom. We did not hear from the fighters. We haven't. Reebok hasn't heard from the fighters. Venom didn't hear from the fighters when it came to making these deals. So uh, we go to you. Who wins? Who's the champ? Jose or Jed? <clears throat> Great performance, gentlemen. Great performance. Um... Yeah, you're right. I don't know how to spell Venom. I, I did keep misspelling it, so that's a point in Jed's favor. And we got Gibbler on this side. Oh, man. Oh, man. Gosh dang it. Oh, okay. I'm... Oh, we also have to... Okay, okay. God. So many ways to go here. All right, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, boy. You're a winner. Jose Youngs. Oh, man. Jose's reign continues, and Jed cannot oh, believe it. Yeah, and the beat man, goes on, and the beat goes on. I I was going to make a crack about how Venom is spelled like if Reebok spelled it, but then when Jose <laughs> did the Goodwood thing, I was like, I can't. That's just retreading ground. I don't want to do that. I feel like maybe I left that on the table. Very possible. It's very possible. Hell of a match, gentlemen. Judge Casey, match. Le- yeah, Casey, broadcasting from some sort of tunnel somewhere. But uh, we appreciate that, Jose. Thirty seconds, my man. Good, bad, and different MMA. The floor is yours with uh, with your victory. I mean, is it a victory when you beat someone that almost has as many losses as they have wins? Like, look at my record, and look at this jester's record next to me. Like, come on. I know I'm not going to use my. You know what's bad about MMA? When reigning dominant champions have to beat up children from the Make a Wish Foundation live on Between the Links. Get this clown away from me. He can come back in a month after he he goes on and, and, and contends for all of his weird mascots that he really wants, and then he can come get this again. I don't know who I'm going to fight next. Uh, line them up. They'll probably lose. No, they will lose. Just like. Leon Edwards will beat Nate Diaz, I'll say it. So, Jed, you are, of course, the Nate Diaz in this scenario. Very popular, says a lot of things that they probably don't understand. The fans love you, but, of course, the dominant champion wins who's in the physical prime of their career. Also, you want to hear a really funny April Fool's joke? That's a really nice haircut. Wow. He's still frozen. Just, just I a, thought like the, a, the screen actually froze. Just a personal wow. shot. Whenever I do probably rematch uh, this bum, I'd like, instead of my record, I'd like you to just put my record against uh, Jose up there at two to one because that's where it currently stands. It's a good point right there. It's a good point. Well, and if I'm, I'm sure you guys will meet again. Pay. Like, if I'm, if I'm <laughs> Nate Diaz, that's a better choice. I would way rather be Nate Diaz than Leon Edwards. 
You don't want to be from Birmingham. Oh, where would you rather be from, Stockton or Birmingham? That's honestly a tough choice for me. I don't want to be That's, from Ireland. Uh, my only real knowledge of Birmingham is Peaky Blinders, so I'm gonna go with Stockton because I don't. I don't think I can live the Peaky Blinders life. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> Jed, Jed's gonna be maintaining summer residence in Uncasville, Connecticut, by the time his BTL career comes to an end. So. But listen, it'll be fun. Jose, do you have a call out? Is there anybody you want to go against? I mean, you've taken on like everybody at this point. Is there take somebody you Kaufman, haven't faced yet? What's up? Wow, we... Take on Kaufman, you bum. You got to avenge the draw. Oh, yeah, I did fight to a draw. Yeah, sure. I'll fight Sarah Kaufman again. <laughs> there we go. Very convincing. I will, of course, you know, as a man of the people, when you're, when you're the people that look up to you request something, you have to give it to them. So naturally, uh, Jed looks, who's been watching me on this show since he was a young lad. He goes, Oh, I really want Jose to face Sarah again because, you know, Jose's my favorite contestant. Sarah was his toughest test, and I can't let Jose have that draw on his record. So I will grant Jed, who's written a handful of letters to me over the years saying such things. Yes, of course. I will honor your request, young Jed, and face Sarah Kaufman again. Thank you. And it's it's really just fitting because you are wearing John Cena, so your make-a-wish, it's it's really working out very well. Hey man. Never forget. Jed, do you do you want to talk about Fight Circus in the card? Uh it's awesome. I would I would like to say that uh I have clearly affected Jose Youngs, who is now a Fight Circus fan, based on yeah. some tweeting he did yesterday. And yeah. I'm just going to take full credit for that because I have been beating the drum the loudest. They just released their fight card. It's going to be dumb awesomeness, uh, which is basically a summation of Fight Circus. So I'm really excited for the uh, the phone booth fight, which I'm not oh, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> but I'm so I, glad you said that. The, the premise is, is exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. It's going to be great. And the like, the new generation Siamese kickboxing, where they're gonna tie two guys together to fight two other dudes that are tied together, like a, a sack race fight is this whole thing. Is, is <laughs> Let me here you go, Mike. Mike, this one's for you. I know Jed's. I know Jed has read it, but here's the actual press release for the phone booth fight. Ever walk past a phone booth and thought, what would happen if two highly experienced Muay Thai fighters were locked inside and fought to the death? Well, think no more. <laughs> Are they promising that somebody's going to die? Is that what's happening? That's one can dream. That or is this just wonder, <laughs> getting our wonderment and our imaginations flowing like one crazy? Can, one can well, dream. You can't think about it too hard because that is the like bad part if you think about fight circus and how unsafe all of the things they do is then you'll start to feel bad but if you just go along they're they are the best promotion in combat sports i don't think it's close right now <laughs> i mean we got a phone booth fight ladies job but we're getting out of here yeah. thank you for watching <laughs> for jose i am mike Heck. big shout out to all of you big shout out to casey on the judging and the production the iconic voice of esther lynn i think takes you home but we'll see you next week right here between the legs good night everybody you're Love right you. this is esther lynn this has been between the links Thanks for watching. Hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment. Thanks. Love ya. I'm Mr. Lynn. You know this. It's my name. I say. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Ability and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.